Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 277 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today we are talking about aging gracefully, everything from supporting brain health to prevention of muscle loss to the importance of telomere length and what the heck that means, why sugar matters, fasting for anti-aging, the importance of community, and so much more. Yes. So wherever you are on the aging continuum, (laughs) this will be a good fit for all of our listeners. There are going to be things that are relevant even for prevention and being proactive as early as really every day, like starting in your 20s onward. (laughs) And then definitely one uh, for some of us listeners now that are in that perimenopausal mode. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about hormone transition And then for those of us that have aging parents, even just some direct interventions that can make quality of life factor, uh, really dynamic changes that will make everyone age more gracefully. Totally. Um, Let's just have some brief updates before we get into today's topic. So first of all, our women's wellness retreat is coming up right around the corner. Yes, it is. And we are only allowing registration through the end of February. So if you are listening to this, definitely go on over to AllieMillerRD.com, search the term retreat and snag your spot. At this juncture, I think we have just one or two rooms left. So definitely this is something that if you have a best girlfriend or sister or cousin that is on a food as medicine journey with you or is equally inspired or wants to get into a more clean eating style and understand what functional medicine and food as medicine is, this is a great way to fuel your passion and connect with like-minded individuals. We still have, I think, one or two beds in the group share for those of you that aren't traveling with a buddy, and that's called the team player room, um, where you get your own full bed, but it is a kind of bunk style uh, bedroom. And then there's also a couple solo options of queen beds and then some shared king still, I think, as we're speaking. But this is going to be a two-night stay in luxury accommodations. This is a 9,000 square foot home that I have rented for the weekend for our women's wellness retreat in Dripping Springs, Texas. Uh, We are going to have hands-on food as medicine workshops. I will be doing at least five hours of lecturing. There will be daily movement. Uh, There will be two full meals plus snack bars like bone broth bar, a matcha bar, a fat-fueled coffee station. Um, We'll have, of course, all the fun snacks like piggy sticks from our friends at Somu Maria, Um, even in connection with Perfect Bar and a bunch of other of the favorite snacks that we keep in our household. We'll have it locked and loaded. You'll also get to explore products that I love in your swag bag. And um, we'll be doing food as medicine facials Saturday night after our two-hour hands-on cooking class, Mm -hmm. uh, which will be one 
wonderful and I think probably followed by some dancing outside by the hot tub and pool. Um, so go on over to AllieMillerRD.com. Again, use the word retreat. Um, this is not to be missed. The only one that we're throwing this year and a great way to just kick off the year with fortitude and fluidity, really feeling solid in what you're doing for your household, how you're committed to your wellness, and just a really good time and connecting with like-minded individuals. Can't wait to meet y'all and have y'all pick our brains and share and grow together. Um, We hope you'll join us and grab a spot at the Women's Wellness Retreat, March 25th through 27th in Dripping Springs, Texas. Yes, cannot wait for that. Um, Let's just have a brief word from one of our sponsors for this episode, Santa Cruz Medicinals. Yes. So Santa Cruz Medicinals is a great plug-in for today's episode as we're thinking of aging gracefully because cannabidiol or CBD is a non-psychoactive compound from cannabis that aids in reducing inflammation, which can include joint and muscle pain, as well as inflammation in the brain space, which can play a huge role with cognitive decline. And then we know also that CBD can support reducing anxiety um, and that chronic fight or flight demand, which accelerates the aging process. We'll talk today again, that mantra that stress is certainly not sexy and it really depletes your steroidal hormones, which play a huge role with regulating inflammation and a healthy aging process. So uh, Santa Cruz Medicinals could be a great add into your wellness regimen. Check out their various topicals like their pain salve, which can be fantastic for sore muscles or injuries. Um, They also have an Epsom salt soak, which has CBD infused with herbs like lemon balm. And they have very potent tinctures as well as great sleep support. Um, They have a 6,000 milligram deep sleep cap, which includes valerian and L-theanine and 50 milligrams of CBD per capsule. And our friends at Santa Cruz Medicinals recommend that you do a challenge of at least 100 milligrams of CBD for a week to really understand the efficacy of this compound. Many of the other CBD companies out there have very limited dosage. We're talking like 10 to 20 milligrams. And research does support around 50 to 80 milligrams to start to have some efficacy or actual experience of that anti-inflammatory or anxiolytic effect. You can go on over to scmedicinals.com. That's scmedicinals.com. Use the code AllieMillerRD and you will save 15% on your order of whatever product you select, a salve, a tincture, a capsule, and you'll also get free shipping on that order. Yes, and we're going to talk today about the importance of circadian rhythm reset and your circadian clock as you age. So I'm thinking those deep sleep capsules could be a really good um, add-in to anyone's routine, but especially for maybe an aging parent who is starting to see their quality of sleep going downhill. Yes, because many of those medications that are Mm -hmm. used, I mean, I know we're getting into it already, right? But a lot of those medications that are used for sleep can actually drive cognitive decline and dementia. Right, right. Um, and so Lunesta to name one, you know, a lot of these products on the market that are in the pharmaceutical world that help with sleep are really working against optimal aging process. Yes. All right. So we know aging is inevitable. Um, really what we're looking at here is, you know, prolonging quality of life or, or our health span essentially. So the, the longer that we can live and be in good health. So getting more good years, slowing things down where we can. And like you said, this starts as early as our twenties, to be honest, like, yeah, it's one of those things that I'm like, I wish I knew then what I know now. 
Yes. <laughs> and, you know, as we're seeing the global population of individuals over the age of 65 um, continuing to grow, uh, we're seeing an unprecedented rate um, expected to reach 1.6 billion by 2050. And we know that older individuals are affected by multiple chronic diseases. And this is what leads to that polypharmacy or these complex multiple drug treatments, which drives often increased risk of physical and cognitive disability. This polypharmacy often where we see side effects for side effects for side effects. And that's why today we'll really be honing in on this functional medicine approach of, again, if there is an undesired symptom, how can you understand why it's occurring and what biochemical process is being occurred? Uh, maybe what nutrient is deficient in that individual and how we can use food as medicine also as a focus to replete and optimize and get into that thrive mode without the complexity and the side effects from the medication world. Yes, totally. All right, so um, let's just get right into it. Um, let's talk telomeres just like very briefly. I know we have some studies that are going to touch on this, uh, but telomeres are essentially like the little caps on the end of our chromosomes, right? Yes, yes. So we think of telomere length um, or reduction in telomere length to correspond with the aging process. And we can see that telomere attrition rates record the growth that results from the replication of our somatic cells. And the somatic cells are basically any cell in the body beyond the egg and the sperm are reproductive cells. And so when we're looking at telomere attrition, we're looking at the uh, results of replication of cells and their turnover. And this process is strongly linked to inflammation and oxidative stress. So if inflammation and oxidative stress are up, there is going to be um, less viable cell production. And also we're gonna see higher cell turnover or essentially cellular death and decay. Sure. And so your DNA, it's essentially written in your DNA that you're going to age, but it's really about what we can do to impact these telomeres and, and yeah, that aging and oxidation of our cells kind of overall. Um, and I know David Sinclair is really big in like the aging world. He's um, got Sinclair Lab at, at Harvard, um, yes. specializes in genetics and longevity. And he says that we can impact this by up to 80% just with, uh, so our, our longevity and health, 80% is not genetic, depends more on how you live your life, which is pretty remarkable. Yes, yeah. that above the genome influence from things like stress and toxins and you name it. And he identifies five key elements that are pretty reasonable, I think, to attain. Um, so we're looking at eating healthy, which will, of course, identify how we would identify an anti-inflammatory and macronutrient balanced approach to eating healthy. Um, don't get obese is his second recommendation. So maintaining a healthy lean body mass. We're going to talk about the importance of maintaining muscle mass and the aging process, but also prevention of accumulating excessive fat because we know fat itself is pro-inflammatory and fat itself also interferes with a lot of cellular signaling in our body and has hormonal resistance and such. His third recommendation is to exercise. His fourth recommendation is to get enough sleep. And so we will hit on that for sure. And his fifth recommendation is to have friends. Um, and I love that one. And I think that that's such an important piece of the puzzle when we look at the timing of this episode, you know, with pandemic and social right. isolation and how, you know, going back to, again, this idea that a lot of these interventions of, um, 
you know, social distancing and masking and isolation are not net neutral. A lot of them are truly net harmful. And, you know, he says that those five elements of, you know, eating healthy, not being obese, you name it, that I just went through, um, can actually extend your lifespan by upwards of 14 years by just hitting those basic five foundations. And again, this is the idea that 80% of our aging process is based on epigenetic or the expression of the genes that we were dealt. Totally. You're making me think of like the horrible images during the pandemic of seeing an elderly person hugging a grandchild through like a shower curtain or, you know, triple masked or whatnot, or, you know, meeting their grandbaby for the first time through a window instead of getting that connection. And it's like, there's so much lost for all parties involved. Absolutely. And we know that there's hormones associated with touch like oxytocin, which has a lot of anti-inflammatory, anti-aging mechanisms. We know we think of oxytocin as a big surge release during like the birthing process to offset and mitigate pain. Um, But it's also that connection intimacy hormone and it really requires touch. And so I think that would be in that element of friends, connection, community. We hear of that in like the blue zones where there's more longevity. It's always tied to deep-rooted community and connection. Okay, so can't stop aging. There are things that we can do, though, um, to reverse or slow down. And there are some signs of early aging that can kind of tip us off, like, hey, we might want to get on top of this, right? Um, So let's talk through just kind of general blanket um, signs of aging poorly or um, just signs of aging in general. And then we'll hit several of these with in our solutions. Yes. So you can get some of those sexy panels on the market that actually look at telomere length. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we can nerd out on that in an entire episode of maybe aging analytics, if you will. But I do think that, you know, starting with more foundational areas of what's disrupting your day-to-day function, um, you know, that's kind of one of those, I would say, these aging panels that are out there are things that I would do after you already know where your HSC reactive protein is or that overall marker of inflammation, after you know where your A1C is, at least semi-annually, if not quarterly assessments of A1C, after you know a more detailed cardiometabolic panel where we're looking at markers like homocysteine or inflammation of the vessels and assessing how your body's methylating, which has a huge role of how your DNA replicates, right? So I think that there's a lot of functional medicine interventions that can be done based on the experiential world of the aging process and also with a more direct intervention than maybe just getting a algorithm of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. your telomeres tell you that right. even though you are 37, Allie Miller, you are 40. 43, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel bad about myself, and now I'm just right. stressed and out. And like, what am I going to do with that information <laughs> yeah. versus like the more kind of dialed down and, approach? And I that's why Sean I, Wells talked about one of those. I forget what the panel. So name did Mike. Is. Yeah. Um, okay. Metabolic Mike yep. did on our episode. Um, and so again, we can talk about that in a future episode. But again, for me today, I want to talk about intervention in life and real tools that are. Um, I think a little bit more applicable and more experiential outcomes. And even further, I would say if I was to look at a more geeky science panel, again, instead of getting this, what is your age, Mm -hmm. I'd rather look at my micronutrient status manually and invest in that panel so I can see with white blood cell proliferation what deficiencies are occurring and tie that back into how my body's functioning. And then look at that antioxidant and anti-inflammatory piece of the puzzle to strategize what I'm going to use for my brain formula. And that looks at things like ginkgo, that looks at adaptogens, that looks at shiitake mushroom, green tea. And so again, I'd rather get results 
space that will drive an intervention versus just information. Yep. Makes sense. Information is only as sexy as the application of it. That's one of right. my favorite sayings to say to clients. <laughs> is it going right. to collect dust and stress you out? Yeah. yeah. You can order all these fancy panels. But um, so, yeah, let's talk just kind of general symptoms of, of concern. And again, you can do a basic symptom assessment on yourself yes. and say, oh, maybe things are kind of accelerating. Yeah. yeah. So the first area I think is like muscular skeletally, so structurally. And we do have really great podcast resources. Um, we had that one on structural health. So we'll link that in the show notes. But this is looking into things like joint pain, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis. So we start to see porous bone as we age and more prone towards then bone break. Uh, We see bone loss and degenerative joint disease all kind of in that area of focus. We look at changes in energy and stress resilience or tolerance, also in the world of chronic fatigue syndrome. So just not feeling like we have enough juice in our tank to go, needing that midday nap, um, or just feeling like you're in a constant state of brain fog. We see changes in sleep quality, so disrupted sleep, getting that 1 a.m. frequent waking factor, or more difficulty winding down and falling asleep and staying in a deep restful sleep pattern. We can see inflammatory conditions, uh, which beyond the area of skeletal muscular, like the osteoporosis and arthritis, we can see cardiovascular disease being influenced by inflammatory conditions. Uh, We can see, of course, cancer in the category of inflammatory conditions. And then um, we can, of course, see cognitive decline associated with inflammatory conditions. And within cognitive changes, we can see brain fog, memory loss, um, and also, the ability to compute and um, problem solve can all be impacted. And then we see in the metabolic world beyond cardiovascular, we see more propendency towards diabetes and we see weight gain or obesity. We can see in the vascular world, venous insufficiency or varicose veins so basically the integrity of the vascular system just gets taxed over time which we can also then see the delightful area of wrinkles and Mm -hmm. sunspots and sagging skin changes in skin texture or appearance we can see digestive changes Um, often these may be driven by polypharmacy like the more frequent use of antibiotics or the long-term use of a proton pump inhibitor and this is where we can see bloating distension hindered nutrient absorption heartburn reflux loose stools or chronic constipation we can see vision changes from macular degeneration to just hearing lo- I'm sorry to just seeing eye lo- eyesight loss and then extending that into hearing loss um, in that whole space of ear nose and throat shifts we can see and then um, over time we will see sarcopenia or muscle loss which drives Frilidity, um, more prone of neuromuscular damage, as well as uh, falling, and then of course the bone fracture and issues there. And sarcopenia ties with obesity, as well as blood sugar metabolism, as well. Yeah. And then changes in hair. Sure. Um, so we can see graying of hair, as well as hair loss. Okay. So quite a list and not to be like scary like all of this is going to happen to you but just things kind of to note to get ahead of and and a lot of them like we said like up to 80 percent we can get ahead of with just diet and lifestyle change alone yes um so let's just talk kind of broad big picture support for anti-aging starting with diet because i think that's a really big one 
Yes. So this is really where we look at an anti-inflammatory diet, and we're also looking at a diet that has ample protein, which is super important, both ends of the spectrum of the life cycle. So we talk about the importance of getting 15 grams of protein in your kids, you know, starting with, you know, pre-K level. So four-year-olds should be getting 15 grams of protein at all meals minimum. Um, could probably even do so earlier, of course, but that's kind of the bare minimum there as they're going into cognitive development. And then same thing in the aging process, but we would get more aggressive with the number. And we would say really the goal of 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. Mm -hmm. And I think unfortunately because of issues, some of them being mechanical in the world of like poorly fitting dentures or um, periodontal disease that of course influencing the ability to masticate or chew and break down dense muscle fibers. This can be a limitation of protein intake. And then of course that digestive stress or not having the ample hydrochloric acid because maybe the long-term use of omeprazole or protonics that can hinder protein actual absorption or utilization and we know that protein 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 is so key because it's the only thing that's going to feed the muscle loss Um, you need protein to really repair the lean body mass and also aid in the muscle formation if doing good exercise we know protein plays a huge role with the immune system's ability to make immunoglobulins which is really important in an aging individual Um, And we know that also it can really maintain satiety and also be very balancing for our blood sugar levels as opposed to refined carbohydrates, which we often think of. Like when I think of my sweet great grandma, she always ate a lot of liver. So go her for organ, you know, and like, you know, like the like liver spread, like pate, but it was on like Wonder Bread toast, you know, of course, (laughs) and the country crock um, margarine, which we would definitely want to go back to that lard in the coffee can or the grass fed butter. Um, But I think generally that there's often excessive carbohydrate intake. And unfortunately, even in the long-term care facilities, there's always dessert. Dessert is a staple of the elderly feeding, you know, approach. And, you know, even if it's a sugar-free diabetic dessert, it can easily be 30 to 45 grams of carbs, or they're just pumping them with insulin so they can have that 80 gram of carb chocolate cake. Um, So keeping carbohydrates minimized or moderate with a lower glycemic approach, having ample protein to support immune function and lean body mass and muscle mass and fight against that sarcopenia, and then healthy fats, but from quality whole food sources are important, of course, for also satiety, blood sugar regulation. Um, we know that fats play a role with our cellular membranes. So when we're talking about like the breaking down of tissue and skin and such, we think of bro- both protein and fat to play an integral role there. And beyond our macros, this is really where those phyto compounds and antioxidants have a lot of well-researched compounds. Um, So we know that a lot of the aging process will correlate to chronic inflammation and oxidative stress. So getting high antioxidants in the diet, like at least four colors of vegetables and fruits daily, trying to get in those two cups of leafy greens would be huge. Um, And this is where even getting into a ritual of drinking green tea could be really fabulous Mm -hmm. for loved ones. Or rooibos, if they're not doing a caffeinated option, rooibos really potent in antioxidant and um, has a really high ORAC score, which is basically antioxidant capacity. So wherever we can squeeze in adding, um, you know, berries to 
the full-fat Greek yogurt with cinnamon, um, ensuring that we are getting salads or if not we're braising those greens down or putting them into the meatloaf or the meatballs um, to try to get those in. Uh, really making sure again each meal has about two colors minimum so throughout the day we're aiming for that four to five compounds. This is really well supported especially in the world of like macular degeneration and eye health. In fact we'll see like in our multi-defense that's one of the big pieces of the puzzle of our multi-defense is the high ORAC combination of uh, phyto compounds um, in our multivitamins. So that would be a big kind of leg up kind mm-hmm. of like the what we'll see on those like infomercials of like um, juice fruits plus. and vegetables. Yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever those fruit Balance and veggie blends. Yes, yeah. yeah. so you're getting that in our multi-defense, but you're also getting chelated bioavailable minerals and you're also getting methylated B vitamins. So I think that that's really a foundation beyond the food as medicine for this anti-inflammatory, antioxidant-rich approach, the multi-defense. Totally. Um, and back to the protein, we'll get into food as medicine some, but a good argument for a daily grass-fed whey protein shake, right? And that would be a great way um, to also get those leafy greens in there yes. and get some of those healthy fats. And maybe we ramp up and add collagen as well to support, you know, joints and skin and gut integrity and all of the things. Yes. My grandpa loves our cherry Nirvana smoothie. Okay. He's like pretty into it. <laughs> yeah. And so my aunt will get him the big bag of frozen cherries from Costco. And um, I even got him to bring it down a little bit. In the, so I think he's doing a third cup of frozen okay. cherries. Um, and then like the little bit of cacao or sometimes splash some of his leftover coffee in there and the scoop of grass-fed whey at the end to get that all blended in. But I think a great ritual to get, you know, anyone, any, anyone, I, I mean, I say this again as someone in my late 30s, I love my green smoothie. I can pack such a punch of antioxidants and food as medicine in there. I'm adding in maca, I'm adding in hemp seed, I'm adding in flax seed, um, ginger root, um, but a great ritual to get anyone who's 65 or over in as a daily delivery because that grass-fed whey, that scoop of getting 22 grams of protein with the branch chain amino acids and the immunoglobulins and the glutathione, which is the master antioxidant, I mean, you just can't really replace that with any other meal and it's such a healthy habit to establish totally um and plus you know to replace things like sugary drinks or sodas um that may be you know sneaking in as a a daily habit we've actually seen in research um, sugar sweetened beverages and soda consumption to be associated with reduction in that telomere length meaning that that ages you faster Yes, absolutely. And so they looked at, um, this research study looked at 5,309 U.S. adults aged 20 to 65 with no history of diabetes or cardiovascular disease. And they looked at um, their leukocyte telomere length that they assessed from DNA specimens. And they looked at a trend of those that had influence on telomere length. And there was a high influence from those that were consumers of sugary beverages. So the sugar sweetened soda consumption was associated with shorter telomeres and the consumption of 100% fruit juice was marginally associated with longer telomeres. So potentially getting some of the antioxidant blends actually protected the telomere length and then there were no significant associations between diet sodas or non-carbonated telomere length consumption. Got it. Um, and we can think of other good replacements or ways to get high antioxidants without the, um, you know, fructose influence of, of the fruit juice. Um, let's talk uh, just sugar and aging 
in general. Like you said, like great grandma living on cakes and pies. I feel like my grandma did too. Like she lived well into her 90s and was eating like chocolate cake and not a whole heck of a lot else. Um, But we hit on this pretty hard in episode 183, which was enhancing memory and cognitive function. But I think it's worth a little bit of a, a recap. Yes. So when we're looking at this connection, we're looking at ages or advanced glycation end products. And, you know, I always think of that generation. I don't think we're going to see that as much with, you know, our generation as we age and and our mothers aging into grandmothers because they had the delight of the 80s and 90s of the like 100 calorie pack diet culture and Uh the fat loss and the industrialized fats. Whereas I think when we think of our grandmas, you know, they were ready well into their probably 70s during that fad. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so I think that the the what protected them possi- possibly, um, you know, those that were doing more of the desserts and sweets into their 90s is that they didn't have industrialized fats. Whereas really now when we think of our aging parents and ourselves, we were exposed to a lot more of that inflammatory impact on an early childhood age as opposed to a diet of whole real foods really setting that priming factor. So that's my little defense on that. Um, I, I, I do think that, yes, when we're looking at this concept of ages, this advanced glycation end product is what it stands for. And basically glycosylation is the coating of sugar. And so when we look at a hemoglobin A1C, we're looking at your red blood cells and how glycosylated they are, what percent glycosylated they are in sugar. And we know that sugar, when it creates through that glycosylation process, a real tar-like plaque. Um, And this is where we're connecting this like type 3 diabetes to cognitive decline and dementia because we know that that glycosylation in the brain, these ages, can actually interfere with neurotransmitter function and neurogenesis or the building of new neurons in the brain. So there is something called nerve growth factor or NGF and that's also based on the health of our beta cells of our pancreas and there's a connection of insulin demand and nerve growth factor so that's a separate mechanism than actually having that elevated blood sugar making that plaque formation. Um, And so there's a lot connected of what you eat directly impacting both the structure and the function of the brain. And when we're looking at foods, those highly refined carbohydrates, and especially those that are in the more processed food world that are under this umbrella of hyper palatable foods are even more of an insult because hyper um, palatable foods have actually been shown to inhibit neuronal plasticity. And so hyper palatable foods would be like the Dorito snack chips or the Twinkies. Um, we're looking at basically a chemical shitstorm that has a dynamic flavor profile that is not made in nature. And we've seen in recent evidence um, there was through uh, Frontiers in Behavioral Neuroscience, um, a study that we'll link in our show notes called Palatable, uh, Palatable Hypercaloric Foods Impact on Neural Plasticity. And they basically showed consumption of these hyperpalatable, hyperflavored foods causing maladaptive neuroplasticity, 
that converts to short-term ingestive, um, that converts short-term ingestive drives to compulsive behaviors. So basically after consumption, um, driving compulsive behavior and obesity and actually having a neurological influence. It's so wild. And so you can really say like what you eat directly can impact structure and function of your brain. Like it's real. Yes. And then there was another study that we will link through the Diabetes Journal's uh, Care magazine. And that looked at a research study identifying glucose peaks and the risk of dementia and 20-year cognitive decline. So they were looking at participants with diabetes that were somewhat controlled, so under an A1C of 7%, but still having glucose peaks and identified that the glucose variability or the peaks and dynamics of their blood sugar beyond that total average was an independent risk factor for cognitive decline and dementia. And so we'll speak to you in a little bit about how often we can see the influence of dysglycemia kind of scapegoated or hiding under, you know, a maybe healthy A1C. And that's really where when we're looking at tools like nutritional ketosis, blood sugar regulation, and maybe even assessing with a CGM as a really good preventative tool to understand dynamics because these blood sugar peaks could be occurring and that could be waking you up in the middle of the night. It could help you to determine what is your metabolic flexibility or how many grams of carbs you can tolerate at mealtime and and the impact of exercise and so much more. Yes, we covered that um, also in our A1C episode that we did somewhat recently so why is my A1C elevated Um, and then for sure in our more recent episode with NutriSense um, we talked about you know the importance of gathering the data between just the um, fasting glucose not just getting a fasting glucose or not just getting an A1C. Um, Let's talk berberine a little bit here because I think this is a really underutilized tool especially in this population um, and something that we could even you know give to an elderly parent who's maybe not ready to make all of the diet changes and it could at least help to um, mitigate and multiple mechanistic you know that's what's really powerful about the work of berberine so berberine of course is an oral hypoglycemic we've talked about in past episodes how research has shown it to be as effective as the drug metformin but more favorable in the way that it influences lipids so it can have a equally favorable influence on blood sugar reduction reducing that A1C as well as reducing fasting glucose and postprandial glucose, but berberine can have a more favorable influence on our LDL, our HDL. So also for the elderly parents that are being put at that option of statin drug and metformin, you could kind of two for one with the world of berberine. And then unique to aging, we've actually seen some really cool mechanisms with AMPK or AMP activated protein kinase. And this is a central regulator of energy homeostasis, which coordinates our metabolic pathways and thus plays a role with balancing our nutrient supply with energy demand. So we've seen that berberine can actually, has been shown to enhance AMPK activation. Um, And it, in that sense, can actually enhance autophagy, which is that cellular cleanup that occurs during fasting. We've also seen that berberine has the ability through this AMPK activation to mitigate apoptosis or cellular death, um, which can often be induced 
by elevated glucose levels. So we can see more cellular cleanup and turnaround and less cellular turnover or death with use of berberine, which is quite remarkable. The Natural Medicine Journal um, noted that AMPK regulates an array of biological activities that normalize lipid, glucose, and energy imbalances. Metabolic syndrome occurs when these AMPK-regulated pathways are turned off, triggering a syndrome that induces hyperglycemia, diabetes, lipid abnormalities, and energy imbalances. And again, berberine is one of the only known targeted therapeutics to actually have an impact that could replace three to five different medications based on that foundational influence and the ability of berberine to actually influence that AMPK. Totally. So essentially taking berberine, we could get a lot of those um, benefits we're looking for from intermittent fasting, which we'll talk about in a moment, um, from you know caloric restriction or, or time-restricted eating, from keto potentially, and, and even from exercise as well. Not to say you'd want to replace those things, but right. um, it's a really good, I think, starting point. And how would you recommend um, bringing it in um, maybe if you were having one of your parents take it. Yeah, so I think starting with like one twice daily mm-hmm. is a good foundational dosage. This would be someone that does not have an elevated A1C, yeah. is not pre-diabetic. If we're looking for more of a therapeutic dosage, we'd be looking at two twice daily um, and even playing with two three times a day, which would be like two at all meals. Mm-hmm. That'd be six tablets. Um, but starting with one twice daily as more of an anti-aging preventative. And then if it is someone that has blood sugar issues that would be something to strongly consider increasing and then I would just retest the blood sugar at that 90 day out window and and look at the efficacy totally Um, let's take a moment for a word from our second sponsor because I feel like this is very timely right now NutriSense Yes. So NutriSense provides real-time information on your blood sugar metabolism. It provides you with a CGM or continuous glucose monitor, which watches you 24-7 for two weeks time. So you're going to get 14 days of continuous information, real-time glucose data to understand where your peaks and where your valleys are. Um, This is a great way for you to understand your risk factors of the aging process. They provide you an easy to use phone app that helps you to combine and visualize your glucose data and that continuous line of your blood sugar changes with all of your daily activities. So you can enter in notes on sleep, stress throughout your day, exercise, as well as entering in your food so you can really understand your metabolic flexibility or what meals are appropriate for healthy aging and which ones would be more detrimental or accelerating that aging process as well as driving blood sugar metabolism issues and risk for diabetes. They provide for you also personalized recommendations on how to improve your health. You will get a registered dietitian health coach during your two week window of wear. And you can purchase the CGM by visiting NutriSense, that's N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E dot I-O slash Allie Miller R-D. When you go to my URL page, you'll see a picture of my face. Scroll all the way down and at the bottom, you can purchase a one-time CGM through NutriSense through my URL link. So again, that's 
Nutrisense.io slash Allie Miller RD and that will provide you a two-week option to use instead of subscribing or when you use the code AllieRD at checkout, you can save $30 off of your first subscription. So again, go on over to Nutrisense.io slash AllieMillerRD so that you can completely take the guesswork out from the equation and you can really see personalized responses to food exercise, stress, and sleep, instead of a generic one-size-fits-all recommendation, you can actually make resolutions to optimize in your health and support a gentle aging process and reduce the drivers of blood sugar impact. Yep. All right, let's talk keto maybe a little bit because I feel like that's a really fantastic tool here um, to imply, um, again, with yourself, with your parent, etc. Yes, and I can already tell as we're chatting that we are going to have a part two to this episode. Yep. I think we'll have enough time in today's episode to go into keto and some sleep and stress support, but we have so much more for you guys talking about hormones, things like DHEA and pregnenolone, um, maybe even nerding out a little bit more on intermittent fasting and um, various other compounds as well as some food as medicine strategies to tie things up. So we'll definitely have a part two. Um, but on the world of keto, Keto, keto would be a really great support um, because this is going to have the ability to actually maintain lean body mass through a weight loss process. So you could work on regulating that one risk factor of five, which is to not be obese through accelerated body fat loss through nutritional ketosis. So this is something that would be a really great way um, to maintain lean mass. Um, we see there's actually a muscle sparing effect of nutritional ketosis as your body's producing ketones. And then of course, if you are keeping your fat in check, you're also going to get the favorable influence of body fat loss. We know that nutritional ketosis can generally be achieved by keeping your total carbs to less than 30 grams a day. And once you start to make ketones, other really cool things happen. And one of them, namely for the aging process, is reduced oxidative stress in the brain. So when you can reduce oxidative stress in the brain, you're creating less inflammation in the brain, better environment for cognitive function and halting cognitive decline. We see that individuals that are actually producing ketones are in a state of neurogenesis higher than those that are not. Um, and we know a mechanism of this is that ketones cross the blood-brain barrier. So they actually can sit on the excitatory pathways in the brain, which can be anxiolytic or anxiety-reducing, aiding in that more grounding, mellow, um, more resilient emotional state, I would say. We know that's why keto can be used for bipolar, schizophrenia, and various mental health conditions. It's why I use nutritional ketosis as a foundation of the anti-anxiety diet. But as crossing that blood-brain barrier, we know that ketones can actually drive more GABA expression. And this is important because over time as we age, we tend to see both serotonin and GABA declining. This is where we see neurological conditions like Parkinson's disease, to name one, which we can link that episode way back from mm -hmm. the archives. Um, I think back in the 30s, we recorded an episode on Parkinson's disease specifically. Um, but GABA also is a neuroinhibitory compound that is calming. And we know in the aging population that anxiety and depression are often high on the rise. Um, this is why often we'll see individuals going on beta blockers or um, going on gabapentin to aid both with pain and that anxiety response. So 
doing nutritional ketosis could actually give you that upregulation of GABA naturally just by the mechanism of ketones crossing that blood-brain barrier as they're helping with neurogenesis, as they're helping with actually we've seen in studies that ketones can upgrade your brain in such a way that they support your mitochondria. So when you use ketones for energy, it makes more mitochondria, which are like the battery packs inside of our cells. Um, this also plays a big role with that neurogenesis or again, creating new neurons. Um, and we know that the ketogenic diet itself also has been shown to be able to reduce plaque formation in the brain, which is quite remarkable. So not only are we curbing that inflammation and curbing these ages, these advanced glycation end products by regulating the carb and um, blood sugar metabolism, but we're also getting this array of anti-inflammatory support of mood stabilizing, less brain inflammation, more neurogenesis, and reducing that brain plaque formation. Right. And I think this would be a good time to plug our 12-week keto meal plan that we've got a couple weeks now um, out under our belts. But um, this is our newest product that we are really, really stoked about bringing you guys at a very affordable price point. So it's $45 um, for the full 12 weeks, which still, you know, works out to less than an expensive latte at Starbucks or something per week, which is pretty amazing. Um, And we provide you weekly. So from the time of purchase, you get a weekly drip. Every Friday, you get a new meal plan. Um, And so you have the weekend to kind of plan, grocery shop, and then hit the ground running, you know, come that Monday. It's laid out in a seven-day format and it does imply some intermittent fasting already in there so if you're looking to bring that into the mix um lays out breakfast lunches dinners one snack and can be scaled up or down depending on how many members of the family you're using it for Yes, and then there's weekly challenges to keep you accountable and continuing to move optimal health dial in the right direction. So we talked to you about in the first week kicking off what type of intermittent fasting is right for you. Uh, We talked to you about monitoring your carbohydrate intake, the importance of tracking, the importance of optimal hydration and drinking enough water, which is really important as we see often as we age. Many people are on diuretic drugs and that in itself can influence energy metabolism and so much more. um, so definitely check out the 12-week food is medicine meal plan. And you know, if you're looking to nerd out more on understanding what nutritional ketosis is and functional medicine approaches within the keto space, then I would say check out our 12-week food is medicine nutritional ketosis program, um, which is $199. And this is six hour and a half lectures, really deep dive um, presentations with PowerPoint and research and maybe not appropriate for the aging parent that you're just trying to get to cut their carbs. I think the weekly meal plan might be enough of an entry and enough to make really influential results. But for those of you nerds that are listening to the podcast and like the deep dive stuff and functional medicine, we have had healthcare practitioners participate um, anywhere from physicians to nurse practitioners to you name it. Um, And I think that this would be a really great program for you that's available on archives. You can watch it on your own time, rewatch and that's at AllieMillerRD.com. It's our uh, 12-week food is medicine ketosis program. Okay, awesome. So we covered how keto in and of itself can help to preserve lean body mass and, and kind of prevent that age-related decline in muscle. 
let's talk about just exercise in general and the importance of actually using your musculature as you age. Yes. So you want to retain your muscle mass and the diet, the nutritional ketosis diet can do that, but you still need to activate your muscles Mm -hmm. to get the cellular and tissue um, anti-aging process, if you will. So we know that in the brain, exercise has actually been shown to support executive function and memory. It enhances neurogenesis. Um, There are neurotrophins um, and growth factors that are going to be produced through the exercise. We know in the pulmonary area, respiratory tract, that we increase our VO2 max, which drives more oxygenation through the body, which is huge because we know a lot of times when we're talking about anti-aging or brain health, those ages and those those plaque formations reduce oxygenation in the brain. Mm-hmm. And so we're thinking about things that are going to be brain boosters. We're thinking of how can we you know drive nitric oxide? How can we drive brain oxygenation? So one way is, is by increasing your VO2 max, by using your respiratory tract through aerobic exercise. Um, we know gluconeogenesis and uh, fatty acid metabolism is going to be more regulated in the liver um, when we're exercising. We know that we get better glucose uptake and muscle endurance. So as you're moving your body, this is where we say often in a diabetic world, if you are to eat carbs, make sure you go for you know a two-mile walk following that so that your tissue, your cells actually take that glucose into the cells beyond just that insulin uh, mechanism of needing to require insulin to open the cells to bring the glucose in, the exercise and the movement actually drives a glucose uptake independent of that mechanism. We see less sarcopenia or muscle wasting. We see less osteoporosis with exercise, especially the the weight-bearing types of exercise. Um, We see more stem cell production in our bones um, with exercise um, when we're using that bone activation process that actually increases our um, stem cell production. We see less insulin secretion and we see lower endothelial oxidative stress. So we're talking about now vascular and cardiovascular areas. And we can see that our progenerator cells um, and our functional capacity as well as our vascular endothelial function improves with regular exercise. And then finally, in the brain space, beyond the geeky stuff of executive function and neurogenesis, we also see reduced inflammation, reduced depression, and reduced anxiety. So pretty dynamic. And these longevity studies with exercise are looking at greater than 150 minutes, less than 2,000 minutes per week. So that's like a really dynamic range. Um, Starting with 20 to 30 minutes a day, I think would be very, you know, reasonable. Um, But not just limiting to walking. So actually using, you know, light weights or body weight resistance. Um, I think that's a big area of focus here too. Yeah. So I think the goal, you know, would, would range based on where the individual is starting, but, you know, probably a minimum of 30 minutes and and 20% of the exercise time being at least that lean body mass function. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe it starts with a 20 minute walk, which is maybe like just shy of two miles. And then that's 10 minutes of arm curls and um, some good behind the chair squats or one leg balances um, or leg curls with weights. 
Um, and then again, depending on where you're at, that could be very easily, you know, 40 minutes of um, movement outside, exercising, jogging, walking, and then, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of yoga. And as we're looking at really the biggest bang for your buck, we know that the more higher intensity exercise and the weight lifting and interval activity are really great as far as cardiovascular function and can be more of a bang for your buck if you're, you know, a high power executive and don't have as much time to focus on. You know, this is where we can think of some of the more like Tabata or HIIT training sure. because that also has some of that good neuroplasticity of like mm-hmm. switching things up versus getting too rhythmic. Um, so it just kind of depends on where you're at. If you're looking for more muscle mass shifts, you're probably going to want to be working with a trainer and doing some weights in the gym and, you know, really maxing out and extending your muscle strength. Totally. Um, and then, you know, exercise has the added bonus of keeping stress in check, which is another big factor here, I think, in terms of, you know, chronic stress is a real issue for aging. Yeah. Chronic stress is one of the biggest drivers and, and you know, could be more dynamic than sugar even in some as far as rapidly shortening the ends of our chromosomes or shortening that total telomere length. Um, and we know that if you manipulate the brain to have Uh, a dynamic stressor that it will prematurely age um, and that is accelerated with an inflammatory process. So when we're talking about keeping stress in check, one thing that I think of is for sure beyond exercise, thinking of things that find cadence and this is where that cost to benefit, right? Like maybe it's better for someone to exercise in nature, (laughs) right? like, you know, uh, walking and listening to a, um, you know, type of podcast that is stress relieving or, you know, a good, um, foundational support for your spirit or a sermon or something like that, or prayer and gratitude work as a two for one versus intense exercise to like Beyonce, you know, you might get better bang for your buck to really ground yourself and feel spiritually sound. Um, thinking of that whole world of like journaling and connection. And I think this is also where that community element is huge for keeping stress in check and um, beyond the work that one can do with maybe a therapist or a coach, um, also having confidence and loved ones to really share in a support system. Um, And what I wanted to note in the world of stress as far as interventions in supplement space, this is where I'd really get going with the adaptogen boost. Um, Adaptogen boost has three different compounds. So it has cordyceps, rhodiola, and ginseng. And each of them actually have independent compounds in literature that have been shown to either drive more enhanced oxygenation in the brain space, reduce cortisol levels and aid in cortisol metabolism, having high antioxidant capacity in each of those compounds on their own. Um, So all the rhodiola, cordyceps, and the ginseng themselves are high antioxidant, which would lower that oxidative stress in the brain. Um, This would be a really fantastic formula that would be likely experiential for especially those that are dealing with more of the fatigue or the burnout. Um, We've seen support with rhodiola and depression, um, just so much, um, and especially one that I wish I would have taken way earlier. I started taking regularly in my 30s, um, but that's one that I could have totally used through my teens and 20s. Oh, totally. (laughs) When I was burning the midnight oil Uh and, you know, working two jobs. Versus like energy drinks and Adderall and all the crazy things that you think are going to give you energy or even just too much caffeine. So big plug for Adaptogen (laughs) Boost, I think, would be a really good preventative, but also in the aging population. Um, We can even see the compounds in Adaptogen Boost aiding with... Uh, 
uh, vascular tone and reducing excessive blood pressure. So a really good foundational formula, especially for anyone that had chronic stress, is currently under chronic stress, or is feeling burned out. Yep. So beyond stress, stress driving like that fatigue and burnout, um, I don't think we talk enough about the impact on our hormones. And we know as we age that we're going to see age-related hormone decline anyway. And I think this is a really important uh, point for us to hit probably in part two, but yes, <laughs> I think so. So we'll probably wrap things up here, but just to, to your point, Becky, you know, the adrenal glands are often the unsung hero of the body in, in all. I mean, I'm a big fan, obviously with my adrenal rehab program and all of my work with the anti-anxiety diet. But when I'm working with someone on anti-aging, I first think of what are our primary steroidal hormones or those preliminary compounds that help our body to survive. And I think of pregnenolone, which is made in the adrenals. And I think of DHEA. Um, you know, so we're talking about these master hormones that greatly influence cognitive processes. Um, they play a huge role with acetylcholine in the brain. They play a huge role with, we know DHEA makes estrogen and testosterone. So when we're talking about sexual dysfunction with the aging process. Yeah, I think we open part two with let's talk about nerdy connections of pregnenolone and DHEA, how those can be used and how to really harness the adrenal glands. And then we'll go into sleep and some of the bone joint stuff and so much more. Yes. So Stay I tuned. hope <laughs> in part one of Aging Gracefully, y'all have had some aha connections of at least starting to wrap your mind around those essential five areas that are important to mitigate the aging process. So we're looking at an anti-inflammatory, low glycemic diet as the first thing. We are looking at the influence of our stress as a big factor. We're looking at maintaining a healthy body composition, so not getting obese, as was stated, uh, exercising, having enough sleep, and then having friends and connection. So I'll leave you with that as your homework. Um, again, if you'd love to get a taste of Food as Medicine and share with your household, check out our 12-week Food as Medicine keto meal plan, which just launched. We're super excited and can't wait to get a copy in your hands. And catch us next week where we'll be talking about part to aging gracefully. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.